episode number 156. This is Greg Duncan. This is Josh Garverick. Josh! Dude, it's right. been like forever since you've been on the show. I know, right? I wish people would, you know, start actually honoring my Outlook calendar requests for uh, for time <laughs> off instead of booking over things like, uh, you know, Radio TFS. <sighs> humans, you know, right? it'd, be a, it'd be a wonderful planet if it wasn't for the humans. <laughs> so true. It's how we're things. <laughs> good, good. I'm really excited. We're getting ready to uh, do our VSTS migration. I know we've talked about it in the past, but we've done a couple dry runs now. We're going to do one more dry run, and then it's, we're going to go live with it. And uh, I, I'm very excited about it. And we'll talk about this, talk about it more during the show because there's uh, some important news that I definitely want to share with people who may be running uh, 2017.3, and you know, there's you're running out of time. So, but we'll talk about that more in the show. Nice. Uh, what have you been up to? Oh man, it's been crazy. I'm actually I'm in the middle of. Uh transitioning into a different role at work so that's been fun um so rolling off one team and onto another one and uh all of the the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune or misfortune uh, to go <laughs> along with that so <laughs> more to come on that i guess um is this a good change or uh yeah no this is good this is this is actually much more of a, a corporate white thing as opposed to a line of business engagement that i was on before so Awesome. Well, yeah. we've got a great guest on, and it's been like forever since we've had him on. He was last on on episode, uh, it was episode 25, August 28th of 2009. Anthony Borton is our guest. Anthony is a passionate IT professional that enjoys helping teams succeed more often. His focus is application lifecycle management, ALM, with a specific focus on the Microsoft tool stack. Anthony lives in Brisbane, Brisbane, Australia. How can I screw that up? It's not. <laughs> Dude, that's paragraph two. <laughs> <laughs> How can I screw up Brisbane? Oh, my God. Oh, that's a name. So since I'm the chief name mangler of Radio TFS, I, I, I guess I could just, we should just re- eliminate the names. Yeah, I don't think you can use the Bob substitution here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but uh, so Anthony, who's joining us from BizBrain Australia, spends much of his time traveling to different places to deliver his unique training courses and help steer software developers, steer software developers in the right direction. One of his favorite applications is TripIt. Without it, he would never be able to keep track of his travel plans. TripIt tells us Anthony has traveled over 1.25 million kilometers in the past four years. And that's, <laughs> that's some frequent flyer miles. There's a couple. There's, there's more than a couple there. <laughs> um, no, no, I was going to totally go sidetrack. But okay, so Anthony, as somebody who focuses on Microsoft technologies, has achieved a number of Microsoft certifications over the years. He's also a Microsoft Visual Studio ALM MVP and was first awarded that in January 20, 20, 2007, 2007. Anthony completed the first ever Microsoft certification exam number 001 back in 1993, plus has over 60 exams since then. He's a Microsoft certified trainer since 1996 and also held Microsoft's shortest lived certification. I, I want to get talk about that one. He's an experienced presenter, unlike me, and has presented and worked in many technical events around the world. Uh, these include TechEd, TechReady, the ALM Summit, ALM Forum, VS Live, NDC, uh, the Australian and New Zealand ALM conferences. Finally, 
when he's not working. He enjoys playing with gadgets and gizmos and seeing how the Internet of Things is going to help him irritate his wife and uh, his cat and son, uh, along with changing the world. Anthony currently has three ra uh, Raspberry Pi 2 devices and is working on making his home the smartest one in the neighborhood. And speaking of his wife, son, and cat, they work on tolerating his gadgets being all over the house. Anthony, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. What a wonderful introduction. <laughs> I'm, I'm, <laughs> well, I'm actually sitting in, in Sydney, Australia. I should have said Sydney. Maybe that would have been easier for you um, than Brisbane. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's, a, there's a lot of travel there. Actually, I pulled some, um, some, some, some updated details for you. So since my last visit to Radio TFS, I've done 195 trips uh, totaling Oh, my wife hates it when I put these numbers up. Um, 1,933 days. That's about five and a quarter years on the road since we last spoke. Um, I've kicked it up to 1.933 million kilometers to 138 cities in 19 countries. Uh, and I've also managed to make it to 28 US states. So, yeah, there's some frequent flying miles involved, isn't there? <laughs> Dude, you've been to more states than I have. That's that's I, I, well. Now I'm past halfway. It's a challenge. I've got to make it to all fifty. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you guys? Uh, now that we're gonna, when I was going to get sidetracked, have you seen the movie Up in the Air? Oh, for sure. Now don't don't look anything like George Clooney, but I've got a lot of those you know <laughs> those those traits. In so far as I will always look at the lines ahead, I'll scan to see you know which lines have the children, which ones have the um, the seasoned travellers. So you want to make sure you can get in the shortest line. <laughs> yes, uh, it was a great great movie. So doing all this travelling for all this training, uh, what's it like doing that? Uh, look, it's it's great. I love the diversity. Um, I love sort of meeting different people. It's it's strange with all these different cultures, different organisations. They still face a lot of the same challenges, same problems. Um, but then there's always you know enough variation there to, to give you challenges, to make you think it through a little bit more. Um, so I, I think the travel's just uh, just just great. Um, you'd kind of have to enjoy it in order to do it as much as I do. Uh, you know, it's just a, you know, I, I guess this has been most of my adult life. Um, so travel is just uh, an inherent part of what I do. So, yeah, I, I think I'd, I'd grow, you know, mold under my feet if, uh, if I wasn't traveling the way that I am now. And it has, so, go ahead, go ahead, Josh. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, uh, so what's, what is the, what's the hardest part of, of being a trainer and being on the road so much. Oh, that's easy. The, the hardest part is keeping my courseware up to date. <laughs> you know, the, the product team, my God, how dare they do three <laughs> weekly releases of VSTS? <laughs> you know, that time where you think, wow, they've just changed something about the user interface. That's going to invalidate hundreds of screenshots. Thank you, product team. Um, you know, so that's that's for sure the, the hardest part is trying to keep up to date with these things, keep up to date with, um, you know, the, the changes that are, you know, a great team are making. Um, again, with, with the numbers, I suppose, like last year I had um, training, I had 12 courses um, covering 31 days training covering VSTS and uh, TFS. Um, I actually looked at it, it's 4,557 pages of content. Um, 
in, in another perspective, if you were to print those out um, on A4, I, I, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to go with international A4 there. Um, if you print them out end-to-end, <laughs> that's about 1.35 kilometres of printed paper. Um, fortunately, I don't print them at all. They are never printed. These are online electronic manuals for students. Uh, but it would, it would deforest the, the planet otherwise. Um, but keeping that up to date, keeping the content correct, I mean, when, when they bring out a feature, the courseware isn't just, oh, here is the feature. You've got to be able to explain the problem domain. You've got to be able to say, well, look, this is how to use the feature. These are the best practices. Um, come up with uh, hands-on exercises, demonstrations for it. Sometimes the concepts are not too bad. Sometimes the concepts are a little harder. So you've got to then try uh, to figure out the best way to present it so that people can really, really get it, get that deep learning. Um, you don't, you know, you often don't have a lot of time with students. Most of my courses range around the three-day mark. Um, so trying to make sure that they really get a great understanding of the technology and how it can help them in their their workplace, uh, I think that's that's probably the biggest challenge there. So, yeah, look, keeping it up to date, I'd have to say, um, Josh, is the, is the thing that's... Uh, that causes me most stress. <laughs> now, you guys train, or you train not just on the latest, right? What versions of TFS do you train people on? Um, so I suppose I try and um, I try and keep the training completely up to date. I've got three or four courses on TFS 2018, um, five courses on VSTS, but I've got course content. Uh, well, look, if you really wanted to, I'm, we could we could go back to 2005. Um, I mean, it'd be pretty rough and ready back then. Um, like most things, it's evolved and got better over the years. So I suppose I still get asked to deliver training on 2015, but I try and talk people out of anything older than that. So 2015, 2017, 2018, VSTS. Wow. Does that like hurt your brain when you go back and do like 2015? Oh, for sure. And, and you know, you, your muscle memory, it, it just goes, oh, I don't know. <laughs> you, you try and do a demonstration, your mouse goes up to the right. You think, oh, no, it wasn't there. And then you suddenly swing the mouse over to the left-hand side and click where it was. Um, like that was your intention the whole time. Uh, but then one of the biggest challenges is when students say, oh, when did they introduce that feature? Oh. And I like, um... The, and it's just too hard to know. <laughs> it's like, well, somewhere between 2015 Update 2 and 2017 RTM would be my guess um, because it just turns into a blur. <laughs> uh, I, I couldn't imagine. I, that would – yeah, I, I was doing that today. I'm Like I talked about the VSTS migration and I'm looking through VSTS and our dry run and checking it out and I'm looking at the builds and releases because that's where most of my effort is focused. I'm looking at the library tab and I'm like, library tab? When was – when, when looking at that, it's like, oh yeah, I, I play. It's you know, it's a variable library that you can use cross builds and cross releases. I'm like, why haven't I used this? Is this new? It's like going to look at my on-prem 2017.3. It's oh no, it's there too. Oh, so I'm just been lame and and not using it. Oh yeah, and you know that you know that if there is anything on that screen that you haven't clicked, that's going to be the student's first question. Oh, what's that do? And you think. <laughs> Gee, was that there yesterday? <laughs> it's too bad we couldn't get like a, a feature flip book or a feature Rolodex where we could get like cards that would go in there and, and give us like background information on when those features were introduced or, or whatever. Uh, the timeline would have that, wouldn't it? This yeah, but I was thinking, helps a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking more like just 
for something physical to have for a reference, just kind of right in front of you. Uh, dude, how would you keep it up to date? You know, I just told you keeping this stuff up to date <laughs> is impossible. <laughs> well, that's true. You'd have to actually rely on somebody publishing those cards, wouldn't you? I, I think I just heard a volunteer there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Wait, the ra- what? Who? What? The, the Radio TFS Refidex of all of the great features by Josh. Those in favor? Yep. I. I. Oh, my. What have I done? What have I done? Uh, Josh, though, you know, as the current designate, designatee, yeah, um, you can bump that to one of the hosts that should be here but isn't. So we could elect uh, Gordon. Gordon can do it. That's true. It could even be oh, a team member. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> the, the training, yeah, going off the rails, usual, standard show. Uh, what's the easiest part of doing training or being a trainer? Well, the, the easiest part, I think, has changed. Um, like like most people growing up, I, I was petrified of public speaking. I just couldn't, you know, I, I would I would freeze. I would absolutely hate it. Um, so over, you know, over my career, I guess, talking to a group of people um, with, you know, it's got to come with technical, comp- you know, competence to give you the confidence to know that you'll be able to to help them. You'll be able to answer most of their questions. So I think um, it's become easier for me to do that. But I guess I've also learned that with training, one of the most important skills is is actually listening. So you might think, you know, training, standing at the front of the room, lecturing, presenting, and that's the visible aspect of it. But um, for me, I, I love the questions I get, um, whether it's a physical course, whether I'm delivering tr- the training virtually, I'll always say, um, you know, if you have a question, what I want you to do is interrupt me. Absolutely. And I encourage people to interact, ask questions. And I often judge the progress of the course, not by the slides we get through, the demos we do, but by how many questions get asked. Because it's those questions that are particularly relevant to each of those students. That's the that's the high value proposition. I mean, training, in-person live training is expensive. Um, there's no doubt about it. There are other great options out there. I mean, Paul's got some some great um, courses on LinkedIn Learning and Udemy. Some of your guests, um, you know, Ben Day and Marcel DeVries have great courses on Pluralsight. So, you know, there's there's a lot of options out there that are available to people. So you've got to make sure that if you're paying a premium to come along to a live interactive course, it's got to be differentiated. So... You know, being able to listen well, understand what the root cause of the question is, and then be able to think on your feet, come up with the appropriate solution there, and then explain or demonstrate that. Um, that's, you know, with a lot of practice, that's become almost um, second nature for me now. So um, I really, really enjoy that. And you know that if, if one student asks the question, oh, look, I've had this problem and this challenge, others on the class are going to absolutely learn from that person's question as well as from my answer and if i can't answer it straight away that gives me homework it makes me <laughs> makes me go and learn something so i will learn something from every single course i teach which is just awesome and that hasn't gotten old yet no no i i, I don't i don't see it ever getting old i mean as a continuous learner um it just forces you to to, to just you know, stay on your game, I suppose. Um, I do get feelings. I tell my wife every now and again, I want to you know, give up IT and become a plasterer. No disrespect <laughs> to, to, the, to the guys plastering, you know, the, the, the sheetrock on our walls. No disrespect at all. But, 
you know, that doesn't change every three weeks. <laughs> and plus, you. if you if you saw my hands, they're not they're not manual laborer hands. I'd probably hurt myself. <laughs> I, I do the same thing. I go, I look at my wife, and I was like, you know, I want to be a park ranger. Mm. Do something cool like that. And it's like, you know, you have to go outside to do that. Like, oh, damn it. You're right. Okay. Never mind. There are, there are bears and dangerous things over there. <laughs> you don't want to do that, Greg? <laughs> Actually, I shouldn't talk. There's, most things in Australia probably kill you. It's probably more dangerous here. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I have, I have a, a way of working in a fear of huntsman spiders into almost everything that's outside, even if it's not, you know, in Australia. So. <laughs> They're, they're pretty big and intimidating looking kind of creatures. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, a little bit. I, I think snakes are my biggest thing. I just, I'm just not a fan of snakes. And you know, I don't remember the stats. I think we have five out of the ten most dangerous or deadly snakes in the world here. And it's like, yeah, I don't like snakes. We have a pet snake. My wife calls him. Well, it's not really a pet. He lives in our roof. He's about seven feet long. My wife calls him Boots because if, if he ever bites us, he's going to get turned into Boots. Apparently. Um, you know, he just sort of cruises along the fence and, you know, you're entertaining guests outside and, and suddenly you'll just look at this big shape coming across the, the roof and poking its head down and having a look at freaks the heck out of people. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. And I've got a great little photo that I like to show my class sometimes, you know, where it's, you know, you typically see these signs that say, beware of the dog. Well, I, I take photos and it's just like, you know, beware of snakes. And it's like, that's enough to keep people out. You don't need security systems. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Still did. Exactly. Exactly. No one's going to go in there with snakes. That's just, that's, well, I wouldn't. <laughs> I'd run the other way. <laughs> nice. So a uh, bit of a bit of a shift here. Back to the uh, the training aspects. What would you say is the most frustrating thing about being a trainer? And what would you find the most rewarding? Like, what, okay. what's the most rewarding thing that you get out of that? I think the most frustrating part of it is listening to listening to students' challenges, um, and you know I, I can I've been there, done that in most cases. So you can really empathise with them. So where where teams are made to do tasks of little or low value, where they're required to go to often poorly run meetings, um, you know, just a lot of the typical dysfunctions. Uh, there was a great TED talk where they talked about the, the two things that most people um, really don't like about work are the M&Ms. And, you know, that's the meetings and the managers. So they're, they're told, hey, you need to do this. We're running behind. Work harder. Oh, and then you need to come to this three-hour meeting. And people know full well that in, in most cases, that three-hour meeting could actually just be an email between two people. I don't need to be in that loop. Honestly, I won't take offense. Um, please let me do my work. Um, you know, just there's so many of those sorts of things. Um, and, you know, particularly in the DevOps area, trying to, you know, for me, that's all about removing, removing the friction um, so that we can just get that value flowing properly. And, you know, organizations, hey, we want DevOps. You know, as Donovan would say, we want to rub some DevOps on that. Um, oh, yeah, but we need to have those meetings. And it's like, oh, dear. Um, so I suppose, uh, you know, that's some of the most frustrating aspects of it. Um, from the rewarding side of it, knowing you're making a difference. Um, you know, I, I guess something that people um, often sometimes look forward to, sometimes fear in their day-to-day their -day life is a, is a performance review. My guess is, you know, you guys probably get, what, an annual performance review? Would that be normal or every every six months? Annual, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, annual. 
So I, I get multiple performance reviews from multiple groups of people every week. You know, every one of those is effectively my boss. You know, I'm there to meet or exceed their expectations. So I get I get this sort of feedback all the time um, in terms of the evaluations. And I've started doing uh, a couple of years ago now a daily stand-up. So even within a, a three-day class, let's say, on the second and third mornings, I'll do it effectively a short stand-up. How was training for you yesterday? What did you like? What can I do better today for you? Hmm. You know, I want those, you know, nice tight feedback loops. Um, and I want the class to see the benefit of it. So they'll say, oh, look, you know, we love this or can we change that? And they'll, they'll witness me actually experiment, mix it up a little bit and, you know, take this take this back to work. I mean, this is straight out of the Scrum Handbook. Um, take this back to work and try it and see the value of that iterative approach. And then at the end of every course, I'll do my own retrospective and think about the questions, what worked well, what of my examples, you know, really resonated, which ones didn't. Um, so it's, it's crazy. I, an aspect of my job is I gauge my success by just how quickly I can make myself redundant. <laughs> so, you know, that's in the classroom, that's consulting. It's like, if, if I can go in there, so, you know, solve their challenges and issues, how quickly can I put myself out of work? You know, what, what, a, what a bizarre world that is. <laughs> what is the, you've already covered it, the most rewarding thing on it is it basically everything that you've already talked about or is there something else that you look back on and you just gets you up in the morning look i i i love knowing i've made a difference there i mean i've had i've had um students uh, i can remember two occasions where students have actually posted me thank you cards like we're not talking an email i mean that's that's always wonderful and good to get where people have gone to the effort of going to a store and purchasing a card putting the effort in to then post that to me um, and saying thank you. I mean, wow, that's, that, that's just, you know, when, when, you, when you're up late at night, you're updating that courseware, when, you, when you're doing homework and you're really tired and you just want to relax and watch, you know, television or something, um, knowing that you've made a positive difference in so many people's lives, um, that, that gets me out of bed without any problems at all. You know, I think that's just, you know, that's, that's what makes me tick. I want to be a trainer. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, come on board. <laughs> you, do get, you do get sick of your own voice after a while. Uh, <laughs> you, it's, it's a lot of talking. It's a lot of coffee, a lot of water. <laughs> and as you know, a lot of travel. <laughs> well, I'm an empty nester now, or nearly so. Yeah, I could do travel. I never liked to travel much before, but uh, I could do travel. Well, I mean, it's what you make of it. Um, I mean, I've traveled and, and, and it's just been fantastic. So with all those frequent flyer miles, uh, I, see, I see the sort of the hotel miles and the frequent flyer miles as, um, as a consolation prize for all of the time you're away from your family. So what I do with those points is try and do a round-the-world trip with my wife each year. Um, so like I, I presented last year at uh, NDC in Oslo, uh, we turned that into a holiday, brought my wife over as well. And then we did a 12 day, um, driving holiday around uh, Iceland, which was absolutely beautiful. Um, so you get to see, you know, parts of the world. I was in uh, the U S at the end of last year. So we sort of merged that into a little trip. Our first trip down to Mexico, we lounged by a pool in Cancun for a week. <laughs> um, so I mean, 
just you know you've got to, using those points the best way to sort of bring your family along with you and spend some quality time and seeing part of the world um so you know as an empty nester i couldn't encourage you more greg just get out and see part of the world <laughs> yeah i say that and and Unfortunately, this year I'm, I'm having to miss both the summit, MVP summit and build. And that's, I know uh, it's horrible, but I've been like sick a lot recently and I've been out of the office a lot. So I just couldn't justify those, you know, two weeks. Bill, you will be sorely missed. I was going to say that we'll miss your wonderful um, presence at these events. <laughs> well, I appreciate that, gentlemen. All right. Uh, Josh, what do you, what do we, what's up next? What, uh, believe TFS 2018 was one of the hot topics. Was it not? I think so. I think so. So Anthony training on TFS 2018, you've got to know, and part of your training has to be what's new and improved and that kind of stuff. I don't know if we've talked about it much on the show. It's been released and stuff, but I don't know if we have ever actually shared with our listeners what's the new and improved stuff with it. What would you say are the, the highlights for okay. TFS 2018? Um, so some of the... Yeah, remember the release cadence has changed, um, as you guys certainly know, and I'm sure our listeners will as well. So where we used to do sort of like a, a release, a year later a service pack, a year later a, another release, these were very large kind of changes. And with large change often comes you know, large problems and challenges and, 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 and bugs. So one of the really different things that we face, which is so positive, is, you know, 2018 comes out and it really wasn't that long after 2017 update two. Um, so, you know, I don't know that there's, you know, the volume of changes there. When you when you sort of look at them, when you're looking at you know planning the curriculum, and you sort of say, okay, well, what are the most important things to cover? You, you can't tick them all off. Uh, it's just absolutely impossible. But you know, um, there's just been so many improvements to the support for for Git. Uh, Git forks, I know, were, was a feature that um, everyone really really wanted. So Git forks in TFS. Um, 2018 is a big positive um, support for. I don't have any customers using this one yet, but um, you know the the support for the the Git virtual file system. So, you know, in terms of scaling to millions of files through uh, virtualizing and optimizing how Git works, but doing it through the file system. Wow, that's just you know awesome. So, I mean, Git's it's so popular. Um, TFVC, I've still got a lot of customers using TFVC, and for them, a centralized system makes most sense. You know, I, I don't judge. So long as they've chosen their file system or the language that is the best fit for them, then that's great. Um, so having Git be able to sort of scale to those millions of files as TFVC or any central, any good centralized system could do, that's a big plus. Um, for cross-platform stuff, you know, the support for, for Maven Artifacts is really, really nice. Um, so getting those Java developers on board for, for sharing code and components. Um, the mobile work item form, uh, I mean, I'm always glued to a laptop. I guess you guys would be as well. Um, <laughs> but but having that much better mobile experience means that for those those people that aren't normally sitting at a desk or that have to go to meetings, that have to travel a lot, um, having mobile friendly, whether it's a, a cell phone, whether it's a tablet, um, improving that web experience, I think, has been been fantastic. Um, what other things jump out at me? Um, oh, you know, there, there, there are so many. There are so many seemingly little things. So, um, 
What's one with with TFVC? Let's choose that one again. I mean, sorry guys, there's so much to forget. I'm not even going to try and touch the surface of that one. Um, but with TFVC, you, you might be aware that you can open up a, uh, a browser, you can edit a, a source code file directly in the browser, and check it in. If you if you wanted to do that, well, sorry, you can do that. You've been able to do it for a little while. When you check it in, it bypasses or circumvents any check-in policies. Um, and, you know, there are, there are organizations out there that sort of put the check-in policies in there for a reason. So if you can just open up a browser and bypass them, um, that's a bit of a problem. So in TFS 2018, you can now go in there and simply turn that feature off. If you don't want the teams to be able to do that, you can just turn off web editing. Um, so, you know, that's not going to sell the product, in my opinion, not, not for a moment. But for those organizations that just you know, bemoan the fact that people can do this. Well, okay, now you can turn it off. That's easy. There are so many little things like that. So, you know, these aren't things that necessarily make it into the courseware. These are things that students will ask. They will, they'll say, uh, you know, our bosses don't like the fact that we can do this. Is there a way of, of, of disabling it? And you've got to know, oh, actually, yes, now there is. Um, funny, to, you know, another feature is the ability to import, export, and pause, build definitions. That's something I'm going to be doing as soon as we finish today. I've just, um, I'm working with a client here in Sydney um, where we're doing a migration over to 2018, but this is a not a typical in-place or move-based migration. We're having to stand up new boxes, and it's a very manual process to, well, to, to, it's time to do a cleanup. It's a client that's been on TFS since 2000. Five, um, <laughs> and it's time to really just bite the bullet and do a cleanup. So today I'm going to be doing a, a lot of manual import and export of build definitions um, to move them from old servers to new servers, and, and they're going to number in the hundreds. So it's like, yes, fantastic! I haven't got to recreate all those build definitions. Um, the release definition editor, so that that new editor, um, you know, these things have been in, in in VSTS for a little while. So finally, getting that new visualization experience for editing. Uh, releases in the on-prem product. I think that's great. Yeah, you'd agree? Oh, I totally agree. I, you know, with, uh, I'm 2017.3, and I'm, you know, editing the bills and I got the new editor, you know, web presence, uh, web UI there. And then I go over to the releases and it's the old one. It's like, oh, that just, oh, that's horrible. It sucks. I hate it. I can't search. You got to scroll. And no, I, I yeah. And, and, and I guess in, like if that's another challenge for training is if you are showing the 2017 version, you really do need to be prepared just to sort of flick open the 2018 and say, oh, look, and by the way, the the editor experience is going to change. This looks so much better. But you've got to then put their mind at rest. The, the concept of, of environments and triggers and the workflow for those environments, all those things remain the same. It's just a much better, more intuitive editor. Um, and you, you, you sort of you want to make sure that, you know, they might be there for a 2017 course, but three months later, they might be moving to 2018. So try and anticipate what those changes are going to look like for them and be prepared to sort of pop that on the screen and say, hey, and have a look at this. It, it, it's hard because they sort of go, but we want it now. <laughs> and you've got to say, well, talk <laughs> the boss into upgrading now. Um, so, yeah, I think, uh, you know, some of those changes. And, of course, you know, just the upgrading of a lot of those, um, you know, build release tasks, um, you know, um, consolidation of the NuGet um, tasks into a single one and upgrading it to version four. You know, we won't go through all the changes to those tasks. There's just been plenty of them. Um, I, I, look, I, I, 
I could go on all day with some of the, the, the improvements to 2018. Um, were there any that caught your eye? Were there any that you're really excited about? You know what? Honestly, I didn't look too deep because I knew I couldn't get it. I couldn't ah. install it. So because we've talked about it on the show, one of the big requirement changes, uh, system requirement changes, was you have to it has to be on uh, SQL Server 2016 or greater. Yeah. And our box is still running, you know, Windows Server 2008 R2, so it can only support uh, SQL Server 2014. And I didn't want to do the OS upgrade and the SQL Server upgrade. And I'm, we're actually using that as the hammer to move us to VSTS. Yeah. So, uh, even with the client today, I had to get special permission to go to SQL Server 2017. Um, they were all on 2014, and so I, I helped work through their internal processes, got special permission to do it. Um, so, yeah, look, um, that plus uh, the other one, the other change in the system requirements is that, um, you know, you can no longer install on Windows Server 2008 R2. So now Windows Server 2012 is really the oldest supported server OS. That one I don't find anywhere near as problematic. Um, I mean, we're talking a much, much older product than, um, say, SQL, you know, the SQL example. So I think that's pretty much about the only two system changes there. Um, and, and remember, it wasn't just SQL Server 2016. It was SQL Server 2016 with SP1. So SP1 was that, that little sneaky little thing that just jumped yeah. on the end there, didn't it? Yep, yep. So if you can install it, mm -hmm. are there reasons that you shouldn't? Um, I think, well, other than um, – you know, being prevented by your organization's, you know, uh, versioning. So, for example, as you've said, you SQL, you SQL limitations. Uh, about the only other one that I've come across is organizations that haven't made the move out, away from XAML builds yet. So, XAML builds are no longer supported. You can't install XAML controllers or agents or any of those things on the 2018 server now. Um, so, you know, it's it's funny. As I do some consulting work, you sort of say, uh, okay, so here's what the new build looks like. You can keep supporting for a while your old XAML builds, and they want to do that. They don't want to have to redo everything. But as soon as they start working with the new build environment, suddenly they <laughs> find the time, don't they? It's like, mm, wow, this is so much shinier and better and easier. Yeah, we don't want those XAML anymore. So uh, usually it's a pretty... Uh, look, I was going to say easy sell. It sells itself. It's, it's nothing we need to do. Um, you know, so Greg, you just say, "Hey, look, here's the new way of doing it. That's the XAML way of doing it." And yeah, um, it's funny. You know, the last time I was on um, Radio TFS and, and chatting with Martin, um, that predated XAML builds. It's it, it was <laughs> hilarious. That was that was back when you had to go and put in your own little. Um, you had to copy paste, create a little website. You had to use the Biz Subscribe event to even get just something as simple as CI working. So wow, how things have changed. So I guess if if you're still working with XAML builds you're going to need to stay with um, you know TFS 2015 2017 until you can get rid of the, get rid of those XAML builds. Yeah, so it, I, I want to make this clear. Yeah, even though I can't say it, make it clear to our listeners on it. It's not that XAML builds that are depreciated in 2018; they're gone in yeah. 2018. Yep, yep. See you, bye. Um, yeah, yes. and not too many people are going to shed a tear over that. And, and I think that writing has been on the warm that the product team have done a great job of communicating this now over a few years. It's not like they've just suddenly pulled the rug out from under us. It's, um, you know, guys, this is going away and the new thing is a thousand times better. Um, so I think, I, I don't think that's a big problem, but it would prevent people going to, to, to TFS 2018 if they still had that dependency. And the, the most major, the most important feature, I think, didn't make it 
in the 2018, the one that everybody, there was hue and cry about it. Uh, team rooms are gone too, right? <gasps> really? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Poor team rooms. Poor team rooms. Look, you know, I, I, I feel for the guys, you know, imagine being on the team that that, that did a good job and yeah. the thing worked. Um, it was just, uh, I don't know that I, I had it in, in my courses. I mean, it's a feature and guys, it's here, but I always sort of kept it on the down low and go credit, you know, where it's due and said, look, this is what it does. But, you know, are any of you not already using something like Slack or something else? Um, you know, we just really didn't need another, you know, enterprise social option there, in my opinion. But, um, I mean, the, the team must have got feedback to say that, um, you know, there, there was demand. They wouldn't have gone and created it without some some demand there. But, um, you know, hindsight's always perfect. Um, so, yeah, team room's gone. XAML build's gone. Um, what else? Uh, so, Lab Center? Um, and the automated oh, test right. flows in um, in MTM. So I guess for those people that had used Microsoft Test Manager, that had gone and set up some of those workflows and used Lab Center, um, it was it was it was a bit of work to get that set up and running. Um, if you are using those, those things are gone. Um, you know, MTM they are really 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 giving you strong messaging use the test <laughs> hub in the web i mean even now when you open mtm it shows that message you you know it's it's don't be taken by surprise here um, so i mean test manager still works you can still use microsoft test manager for those testers out there um, and connect that you know the 2017 product to tfs 2018 and hopefully they'll give us another year or two there but um you know wow they're they're really getting that messaging strong and in front of us so um so I don't know that too many people um, are missing it, but it may be a bit of work and effort to get those same workflows in the new system. Um, it's worth the effort and it's going to pay dividends, but that might be a little bit of work and effort, a bit of planning to go into it. Um, and I think they've also cut the uh, the TFS extension for SharePoint. Um, you know, I, I'm not, I, I don't mind that. Um, <laughs> Personally, I don't have a lot of customers that were using that extension. You know, SharePoint's fine for what SharePoint does. That's excellent. No worries. Uh, but do we really need the extension? And did the maintenance of that justify the value it gave us? You know, the the, the documents um, appearing in Team Explorer, not, not really. I didn't think so. So for, for me, I don't think I'll miss the TFS extensions for, for SharePoint. How about you? Oh no! I, I, we like like you said, you know, we used it for a document store for you know specifications and stuff, and then uh, we moved to Team Rooms, and everything is there, and, and SharePoint Online, and it's all there. And I, I don't know the last time I went to the SharePoint portal uh, for our projects. I always every time we add a new project, I always turn it on and enable it, have it build. And I don't know why I do that. I think it's muscle memory, like you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, so look, let's, we'll, we'll let that go to the keeper. I think that's fine. Um, I, I, you know, you know what I really was overly optimistically hoping to see in in uh, twenty eighteen was the 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 new uh, template customization experience. Um, that's in VSTS. I mean, I, I know we didn't get it, so let's be really clear that that new web-based customization of work items and workflows and processes that you've got in VSTS um, didn't make it into the on-prem product for TFS 
2018. But, you know, I, I can't wait for that. That's, I, I spent an entire day doing, you know, hand customization of XML files for this client uh, earlier in the week. Uh, it's, it's horrible work. It really is. But it's better that I do it uh, rather than the customer does it and then I have to come and try and fix it. <laughs> it's just, yeah. it's like, oh, yeah. you know, hey, I'll, I'll take one for the team here. Um, I'll go and do that customization for you. So as soon as, um, you know, I just, I wish that had made it. So I know that's not the most exciting thing in 2018 because it's not in 2018, but uh, <laughs> I'm changing that to the most anticipated thing that didn't make it. How about that? <laughs> that works for me. Now, Let's, have you done any migrations to uh, VSTS from TFS, high-fidelity migrations? I haven't done the high-fidelity migrations. Um, so, you know, using the, the, the database import service, I've read all the documentation, I've done all those sorts of things, um, and I, I want to make, you know, um, students aware of it. So on, say, the VSTS admin class or the TFS admin class particularly, sort of say, look, if and when the time comes that you want to look at this, here's all of the resources you need to be able to do a high, uh, the high fidelity migration. So to basically uplift that collection. Um, and depending on feedback, if there's interest in it there, we can deep dive a little bit more. Um, but, you know, just making sure they're aware that there is some good documentation. I think it's it's well documented. Uh, have you found that? I mean, you, you've said that you're going through that process. You've done a few trials. So how have you found it? Um, it's great, and especially since it's out of preview now and it's uh, generally available. It, it's still every time it's getting better and better. Uh, the results of it are rather amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it, it, we've, t- we've mentioned it on the show with past guests and stuff, and I think Martin Henschelwood we were talking about it, and you know, he was saying, you know, Greg, it's easy. You do the migration, you get it over there. Uh, and then on your users' machines, you just connect to the new URL and you're done. Yeah. And I didn't believe him because I've connected, you know, I've stood up a number of TFS systems and, you know, it was always, you know, you had to reconnect and then you have to map and you have to do all this other stuff on it. No, it was pretty much magical. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, and, it, you know, on VS 2015, on VS 2017, uh, you connect to it and, you know, it, it just looks like your on-prem TFS. All the projects are there. Everything is honored. Even the accounts got all set up for us. It, it, it really is interesting. And if you listeners, if you guys are thinking about this, I have links in the show notes. Um, you should try it out. You can do dry runs for free. Wow. They don't last long. You know, they, they will time out. And there's actually a little banner when you go to your dry run site and it's, it's about two weeks and then the site will get nuked. Um, but that's more than enough time to you know, do the migration, work through the process, update a build machine, you know, the agent to, to point to that, uh, update some of your users, Visual Studio instances, point to that. And, and I think you'll be amazed at it. Now, here's, here's an important point that I wanted to make sure that everybody listening catches this. You know there's a window of support for the migration, okay? That means that you can't migrate, hyperdelic migrate uh, TFS 2015. No, you don't do it. Basically, they are shifting this support window to the last two releases of TFS, meaning that um, you guys know that uh, TFS 2018.1, update one, is coming out like soon, so that means we would have two releases out there, right? TFS 2018.0 and one. So <laughs> me being a TFS 2017 guy, 
uh, I, I got a little nervous. I'm like, oh, crud. Uh, you know, when does this window shift? And that's the date that they just announced yesterday, April 23rd. If you have not migrated your TFS 2017.3 before April 23rd, <laughs> April 24th, you won't be able to. If you're thinking about it, do it. You've got a hard date. Now, you can obviously, if you can upgrade your system and the, the, uh, your system requirements and everything support it, and you can upgrade to 2018, well, then you can shift with the window. But, you know, there's a hard date. So to be clear, I mean, you talked about this high fidelity migration. So if, if people don't quite appreciate what you meant by that, it's, it, you know, sometimes people go, oh, we're just going to migrate to the cloud. You know, um, it's not about just getting your source code and poking it up there. Um, it's not about just saying, oh, look, let's um, magically get the work items. Remember, it's all of the traceability. It's all those, um, you know, change set IDs linked back to the tasks that the developers were using, linked back to the requirements, and then all the testing things. It's all of the those linkages that we're talking about here. So I still see customers that go, oh, yeah, we're just going to, uh, you know, grab the code and push it up to VSTS. Um, okay. <laughs> it's a lot more, isn't it? It, it is so much more. Uh, uh, the bills go up there. All right. They're included on there. It, it's currently in preview mode, but even the releases now get imported. So because your entire builds and the releases are getting migrated up along with all that linkages and everything else. And even this, just the silly stuff like the um, permissions in the different projects, those, all of that information gets moved up. And, you know, it's almost <laughs> a lot of the times I've used um, a new TFS instance to start over, like you were talking about earlier. It, it, that's a good time to rethink your projects. And do you have a million projects, uh, TFS projects? Do you, or do you have one that rules them all? You know, a new instance can be an opportunity to reorganize your source code and reorganize your projects and, and, and kind of fix that up because of the cruft that's built up over the years. Uh, this migration though makes it so easy to be lazy. Just to take the cruft and move it to the cloud. It's almost too easy. Uh, well, so uh, I shouldn't give up training and become a consultant specializing in moving <laughs> TFS to the cloud. Damn the product team for making it so easy. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it when they do that. <laughs> yeah, but it's amazing. You know, that's, that's the other side of the coin. It's like, oh my God, I can basically, you know, in a four hour period, depending obviously your times will, will, will change, but in a four hour period, you can lift and shift your TFS into the the, the beauty that is VSTS. Uh, if you're thinking about that, you got to take a close look at this. Yeah, it, it's it's great. And, you know, even even other things though. I got so I'm so impressed. The extensions we wrote a number of TFS uh, build and release extensions. Mm -hmm. Those transferred too. What I did not know that. That is amazing. Yes. I was, I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, it, it, it kind of would make sense because it's just, you know, uh, TypeScript or JavaScript or, or, or whatever, and it's packaged and deployed to your local marketplace. And, and yeah, that moves with you when you when you do this high-fidelity migration. Uh, the dashboards that you might have set up on your on-prem, the dashboards get moved over too. So like you were saying, it's not just code. It's not even just the history of the code. It's not just the work items. It's Almost a comp now somebody's going to give me a hard time. It's not a complete lift and shift. It's not really that. There's some things that don't move. Some things are still in release mode. Uh, 
But if you've ever moved to a new instance of TFS and tried to get everything working that way, uh, you'll see, you know, the beauty behind this migration. High fidelity really is. It's high fidelity well, migration. Yeah. I mean, my, my week primarily is a low fidelity, painful migration. <laughs> you don't want to do those. <laughs> They're not fun at all. <laughs> And and the clients, you know, the, the clients basically said, "Oh, look, yeah, this is horrible. We're gonna we're gonna have to pay some other poor sod to do that." <laughs> Enter Anthony, the poor sod. <laughs> oh well. Well, that's why you hire contractors, right? To do the work that you know nobody on prem wants to do. Yep, that's it. Or or give the message that nobody on prem wants to do, <laughs> you know, or wants to send. Oh yeah, the smart ones get the contractor in for that kind of work. <laughs> Well, yeah. plus, you know, you, it's, you don't want to develop those skills in-house. I mean, that's the whole, you know, story of contractors, isn't it? Um, this is yeah. going to be, you know, this this low-fidelity cleanup migration I'm doing this week, that'll be done. So having people learn on the job, doing their Bing and Google searches, um, you know, investing all that time taking so much longer to do it, they're not skills worth investing in because hopefully they'll never need to do it again. But, um, you know, once we've got it all cleaned up on-prem TFS 2018, well, you know, maybe the next thing for them is they'll they'll do a high-fidelity upgrade to VSTS and a lot of the craft's gone. I mean, that's what I'm getting rid of at the moment. That makes sense. So we're coming up to like, we're like, Coming up to the end, and, and we've got so much more to talk about. We're going to have to have you on again sooner than what? Yeah, forever. Nine years ago, um, but who's counting? <laughs> <laughs> uh, hang on. I'll, How can people twenty go twenty? What's that? Twenty twenty seventeen. I'll I'll try and put it in my calendar. <laughs> yeah, nine years is just. That's too long, my friend. But, but it's awesome. I mean, Radio TFS has just been going strong for such a long time. It's been a great, you know, it's, it's a great resource for the community. I, I have the Radio TFS sticker on my laptop when I'm training, and I sort of always point students in that direction and say, look, hey, listen to this bunch of guys. They're, they're, they're hilarious. You know, Greg's going to just, you know, botch up all these terms and names. I was, I was surprised you didn't invite me earlier because my <laughs> name's really hard to get wrong. <laughs> Yeah, but I'm good at mingling the name. So, you know, if there's a, if there's a skill you're good at, you know, keep at it, I guess. Right? Agreed, agreed. You're doing well. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to laugh. I'm looking at the show notes from that episode. Oh. And, and, you know, Visual Studio Team System. Team System for Testers. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> it was a long time ago. <laughs> exactly. How can people uh, – Contact you. Look, the best way, the easiest way is just probably through um, Twitter. So just twitter.com and then at Anthony Borton. Um, so pop that in the show notes. Um, ALM-training.com will reach me as well. I'm, um, I, I think if you do a search, uh, I did this a couple of years ago, a search for my name. Um, there was a, a, an author that wrote books on horses with the same name. Um, so I sort of fight him for the first couple of pages on a search engine, I think. <laughs> it, I didn't write that book, trust me. <laughs> so we shouldn't call you the horse whisperer is what you're saying? Um, well, you can call me anything you like. I'd make an exception for you, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> nice. As long as you call him, you can call him anything. Right? Josh was great. He, he was a passenger when I was driving around the Redmond campus. And I love having, when I'm driving in America, I love having an American in the front seat with me. 
because they're like a barometer. If I drive on the wrong side of the road, they're like an early warning system when they scream. It's like, ah, it's like, and then of course, instead of, it takes me a second. So I look across at them to go, what are you screaming about? Which just raises the, the, the pitch and timber of their scream. <laughs> which is awesome. So, you know, it, I always try and get an American, and Josh has helped me out last, uh, you know, at the last MVP summit as, as being my early warning system for driving on the wrong side of the road. I appreciate that, Josh. You, you know, that, that's a calling. Yeah, like, my right? pleasure. I, I'm usually more of a, a phantom air breaker than I am a screamer, but. <laughs> I'll, I'll have to pay more attention. <laughs> Watch that little foot get, try, try and push it through the bottom of the, bottom, bottom of the floor on the passenger side. Yeah, go all Flintstones on your rental car. <laughs> yes, I love it. Uh, so we'll have Anthony's links in the show notes. Um, I wanted to do, we're going to do a quick feedback. Uh, last show, we got a huge amount of feedback. Well, you know, uh, lots of tweets and lots of emails and stuff. On I wouldn't say huge, but I, I think uh, the with Anna Russo, it touched a nerve in some places. Some places it didn't. It, it, ironically, there's uh, a, a couple feedback items was, you know, like I, I work in the, you know, in Europe and we don't have this kind of problem. And I'm like, wow. And then the other side was, you know, yeah, I've been dealing with this for forever. And um, Angela Dugan, it's not a show if we don't invoke the Dugan, was uh, gave me a hard time uh, about the show. And I never even thought about it until she mentioned it. I use the term female a lot. And um, I just never, it's like male, female, I, I, I don't care. But that is, many people, uh, many women find that disrespectful. Uh, they really react to it. Um, it bugs them a lot. So, you know, guys, you know, they're women. There is, it's even grammatically incorrect to, you know, call a woman female. There are certain circumstances you can, but, you know, it's women. And, uh, Ms. Dugan, I really appreciate that feedback on it. And I've tried to walk away and learn something with it. The last show also prompted me as soon as I published the show, I shared it with all my coworkers and said, Hey, you know, I don't, <laughs> when I'm doing these things, I don't think I, am exhibiting that unconscious bias. But I asked them all, male and female, you know, am I? And if, uh, am I really doing this? Luckily, um, I pay them well, or, uh, you know, I, I bribe them well. And, and they said that I usually don't, um, that I, I'm, <laughs> I'm biased against everybody, uh, male or female, uh, man or woman. Uh, but if you haven't listened to the last show, or with Anna Russo, make sure you go listen to it. Use it as an opportunity to spark the conversation. Every journey begins with that first step. So that's what I use that last show as. Uh, David Kingman sent us a great email about the impact, uh, of this, uh, of that show and, you know, ideas it sparked with him. So I appreciate that. Anthony. Yes, sir. Josh. Thank you guys for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Always is talking to you guys. <laughs> and ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to Radio TFS. Radio TFS.